Hello and welcome back to the IDC Tech Talk podcast. I am your host, Miles Dawson, and today we're going to be looking at smart cities, but particularly around the use of Wi-Fi. We've recently published some research into cities' use of Wi-Fi in public spaces and the challenges these cities face when deploying Wi-Fi to these spaces. So, to help me with this question and this topic, I have two guests with me today. I have Chris Pinnell. Hi, Miles. And Xenia Efimova. Hi. Hi. Hi, Miles. Hello. I wonder if you could give a quick overview of your roles at IDC. Chris, do you want to go first? Sure, yeah. Chris Pennell, uh, Research Director for European Government Insights. I work in the team that's responsible for producing um, the research content um, around government's use of technology. Um, we cover sort of government all the way from local government up to sort of federal government. Uh, I'm Xenia Ifimova, and um, I work in Enterprise Networks and Lifecycle Services uh, Group, and I'm covering Enterprise Networks uh, from the data centers all the way to the edge, and I'm also uh, looking at uh, various startups um, as a part of it. Fantastic. Well, great to have you both with us today. So let's kick off with, um, when I read this report, one of the big takeaways is you can see that cities have struggled to make long-term robust models for Wi-Fi. I wonder if you could explain a little bit about why you think that is. Yeah, sure, Miles. Um, and it's a good place to start. So if you, you know, if we look back at the history of sort of Wi-Fi you know, to the early sort of 2000s, um, when you had cities such as sort of Baton Rouge in Louisiana in the U.S., um, through to sort of you know, cities here in the, in the, in the UK um, and further afield. You know, they were quick to sort of a, adopt Wi-Fi as a means to sort of um, expand sort of access to, to public services. But, you know, many of those original schemes sort of failed or, or were scaled back. Um, you know, if we look at Islington as a good example there, it launched its technology mile back in 2005 and basically, this consisted of sort of attaching Wi-Fi transmitters to lampposts to create a sort of hot zone. Um, and the authority did have plans to sort of expand that out um, further into sort of the community. Um, but unfortunately, due to sort of financial sort of um, cuts, um, it was forced to sort of um, shelve the scheme. Um, and maintaining funding tends to be the biggest challenge. You know, budgets are typically fragmented and they're difficult to pull together for such projects, you know, certainly where the outcomes are not always clear, um, certainly to sort of non-technical department heads. You know, it is, it is relatively easy for cities, you know, own IT departments to add routers to public buildings um, as a way to sort of, you know, um, make more flexible working. But it's a bigger task to move from providing that sort of service to sort of providing one that's sort of open um, to citizens and all their levels of security and privacy and support for such a service. Um, there are other factors as well hindering cities, such as regulation. You know, rolling out Wi-Fi can involve cities getting involved in commercial arrangements to overcome some of these regulatory challenges. Um, you know, in turn, this can, this can turn a public service into a commercial venture um, and, you know, that usually comes with a lot of commercial pressures. Um, so funding, regulation, you know, low speeds, also growth in high-speed mobile phone coverage, you know, um, ongoing maintenance and so on, all these sort of issues have meant that cities have sort of generally, you know, sort of shied away from um, rolling out or expanding sort of um, pilots. Absolutely. So if that's why uh, cities have struggled in the past... 
Uh, let's look at the present. So why has this had a resurgence? Why are they interested in Wi-Fi again? Yeah, so uh, going back a little bit to what Chris said for previous question, the technology before was not uh, capable to uh, sustain and to provide the needed level of uh, connection to the users. 802.11abg uh, 802 and even 802.11n uh, access points could not support the uh, multiple users could, uh, uh, simultaneously, could not provide the needed capacity and could not provide the needed bandwidth for the usage. Right now, when we see the migration to 802.11ac, the second wave, and we will see very soon the migration to 802.11ax uh, access point that would be able to uh, provide those uh, that the capacity that would have better beam forming, meaning that the signal will, will be more <clears throat> uh, directly go into the user uh, from the access point that would have the higher data speed and etc so Wi-Fi is very interesting uh, and could be very useful again uh, for the public Wi-Fi purposes um, what is the reason why they're investing in Wi-Fi rather than 5g uh, so, f yeah, 5G um, is expensive. Yeah. Wi-Fi is cheap. Mm. And as Kisney's pointed out, Wi-Fi 6 actually is pretty good bandwidth-wise um, in comparison to others. So, so you're not sort of, yeah, the latency and, and all those issues isn't so big. Um, and generally you're looking for something for backhaul. And so Wi-Fi is quite good at that. You know, you can get a nice mesh network going. Um, uh, so, yeah, so... When you're sort of monitoring a streetlight, is it on, is it off? Mm. You know, that really is sort of real low bandwidth stuff. Mm. So you don't really want to go rolling out 3G, 4G or 5G for no. it. It's a bit of a sledgehammer to crack a walnut. It is. Um, there, are, there are cities that are testing it, and Bristol is a perfect example. They have a whole test bed where other cities can go and, and test out applications on 5G. Mm. Um, and I think as we get more down the sort of um, AI route, if we go down the sort of autom autom you know, automatic buses, cars, what have you, mm. then 5G is a, key, is, got, is a key enabler of that. But then, of course, uh, taken, it is necessary to take into consideration the architecture because in, we are in Europe, right? So many uh, cities uh, have very thick walls and... Um, Many new construction buildings have different regulations and uh, have uh, different penetration capabilities. So 5G within those buildings, uh, they, it just can't penetrate the walls. And that's why it's uh, cheaper, uh, as Chris said, to install the access point um, than the small cell. Also, the question about uh, who supports and who serves the infrastructure, because very often municipalities don't have their own capacities to do that, and they outsource it. So uh, it, it's cheaper to outsource Wi-Fi than uh, support than to outsource 5G. 
that actually brings me on to my next question, which is about the vendors that are providing the uh, these public solutions, these Wi-Fi solutions. What what challenges do you think they're facing? Oh, uh, they face a bunch of challenges, starting again uh, with the construction and architecture, because again, because we are in Europe, so many cities are protected by UNESCO or any other historical institutions. And thus vendors need to find the solution. They have their own groups who work on the way how access points look like, just to blend in with the surroundings. And uh, many vendors have already put the antennas that usually outdoor Wi-Fi would have out, uh, external. They put in uh, those antennas uh, in access points. So to avoid that spider looking like piece of equipment uh, being mounted to the wall. And uh, also, it is a question of number per, of equipment per site, because, again, those institutions usually limit that to one or two uh, pieces of equipment. Thus, that uh, access point have to, uh, has to combine different uh, protocols together uh, to satisfy the needs of uh, many different use cases that can use the uh, Wi-Fi signal. Okay, so the rollout of Wi-Fi to smart cities is connected to many challenges on both sides, both the municipalities and the network vendors. So if you're choosing a solution, um, what are the key areas that you should consider if you're a uh, public body? So, yeah, I, th I think the first is the issue of interoperability. Um, certainly sort of municipal-led projects aimed at making smart cities, you know, they involve a complex ecosystem um, of use cases, um, and underneath that, there's a complex set of partners, technology, and solutions. You know, public Wi-Fi is just a, a part of this landscape, and therefore, sort of in general, municipalities are looking at sort of backbone solutions that will combine a lot of these technologies. Um, so, so that's quite important. I think you know, um, there's installation challenges. Many cities in the EU, sort of, um, some of those are covered by sort of UNESCO. And regulations, so there is only certain stuff that they can do around buildings and sort of the architectural issues that we, we've sort of discussed already. Um, so planning is a, is a sort of key issue um, that needs to be sort of considered as well. Um, and then there is that, that issue of competing technologies, you know, 5G or, or Wi-Fi. Um, I think, you know, as I say, as operators sort of accelerate their rollout 5G services, um, and as municipalities start to sort of you know, look to more sort of complex use cases, um, then sort of you know, it, you know we will see much more of a blending of, of the two. Okay, and uh, what roles do you think that vendors are going to play in this consideration? Well, vendors, uh, because vendors usually don't approach uh, municipalities directly. Um, they so they approach them uh, with the partnership uh, through the partnerships, and what vendors should do is with the, those partnerships they should help to understand uh, they should help municipalities uh, to understand uh, 
what is the uh, long-term long plan uh, for the smart city development? And as Chris mentioned, uh, there are different uh, use cases uh, that could be integrated into, into that uh, public Wi-Fi. And maybe, for example, uh, smart waste bin would be better for uh, NB-IoT or uh, low-power uh, LoRa uh, network. But then uh, the smart cameras would be better uh, with uh, Wi-Fi as they need to transmit the uh, loads of data and they need a very good signal uh, for that. So, as I said, uh, just to help municipalities to get the clear picture of for 5, 10, 15 years. No, that's really helpful. So, um, just to kind of sum up at the end, I'd, I'd like to ask you both what advice you would give if uh, both to the technology buyers and to the vendors in this space, if you can give a piece of advice, what would you give, Chris? Why don't you go first? Uh, yeah, I think you need to be prepared for regulatory complexity. Um, you know, certainly, you've got to consider data protection issues as well, as well as the security side of things. Um, but I think if you're sort of um, you're aware of those up front, um, then they're not insurmountable. Um, but often they can be used as sort of excuses not to do something. Um, but I don't think um, these days that they're a good enough reason not to do it. Well, from vendors' perspective, I would uh, suggest vendors to give a very clear a view on what use cases public Wi-Fi can solve. And because it, there are many roads to Rome, right? And the same way there are many use cases that uh, can be uh, solved with public Wi-Fi. And it's not only coming uh, or from municipalities. Uh, it can come from um, the, the newspapers organization or for, uh, through uh, some other uh, institutions uh, that would have the goal to provide public Wi-Fi and utilize it for advertising, utilize it for any other uh, points. And that could bring the return of investment to the uh, municipalities uh, for, for the public Wi-Fi rollout. And also uh, to form smart partnerships because you have to have the uh, partner within utilities to provide smart lightning. You have to have a partner within uh, street furniture uh, production. You have to have the partner uh, within the institution that would make sure that your access points or your antennas would comply with the regulations. And uh, you have to have a system integrator because smart city uh, is a very complex uh, thing and everything has to work together uh, seamlessly. Do you, do you foresee it becoming a bit like the, the London Tube Wi-Fi where you log on and it has a list of suppliers? that you can pick from, like you're a Virgin Media customer or you're a BT customer, EE customer, or do you think it will be like a single supplier? Do you think it would be a combination? I think it's more likely to be a combination. Yeah, um, yeah I think the, you know, you can provide certain services for free, mm -hmm. um, and then if you want to do more, um, then yeah, you can pick a, pick a vendor um, mm -hmm. or pick your current sort of contract. So if you're with BT, you get access to a whole range of Wi-Fi hotspots. So... Um, so yeah, I think um, 
I would imagine that we'll see a, a hybrid model where you, you get that sort of access for free and then yeah. you pay for over-the-top stuff. Because that's the difference, isn't yeah. it? Because on, on the tube, um, it's not public Wi-Fi. You're using your existing like contract that you already have with the vendor, aren't you? So you can only use the EE access to the Wi-Fi if you're an EE customer. Well, if you're like, or if you're like me, I commute every day um, into the office mm. and there's Wi-Fi on the track. And my route actually has several tunnels um, on it, some of them quite long. So you get quite frustrated um, as you're sort of um, listening to your music on your sort of Amazon subscription and it cuts out. So that's quite frustrating. So I tend to log on to the train's Wi-Fi. So it's patchy. Mm-hmm. There is, you know, if you get a packed carriage and everybody's got the phones out and they're all sort of got the blue face going on, then you pretty much guarantee you're not going to be streaming videos. No. But doing your shopping is something that you can do. So I think that's, yeah. So yeah, I think those sort of, you know, models are, are going to be more common. Yeah, but also we need to be careful about uh, so-called uh, Wi-Fi that is available through the subscription of the provider, right? Because when we're talking about public Wi-Fi, we're talking also about tourists or about visitors uh, that do not necessarily have the subscription to the uh, internal uh, service provider within this uh, country. And uh, they are using public Wi-Fi just not to use, to use their roaming. Yeah. And that, that's uh, important, and that's a great benefit of uh, public Wi-Fi, for example. Yeah, I think you also have to be careful what people are using it for. There's the obvious story of what happened with New York with their Wi-Fi kiosks and mm. um, the reason why they had to pull all those. So I think, you know, it will be a balance. I think that's going to be quite – that's going to be the challenge for cities. And I think that's – so, yeah, so that's, that's something that's going to – I think that can only be um, understood by actually testing it and going out and doing it. Mm. What happened to New York? So the New York, uh, they rolled out a load of kiosks. They all had free internet access on them and Wi-Fi. They were Wi-Fi stations, so all the homeless people used them to search for porn. Uh. So all the tourists were going past where these people were sitting there watching inappropriate content. and oh, so, so they had to pull them all. Yeah, but then you know that, that's the uh, the role of vendors, right, to provide yes. the security um, and to provide the uh, <coughs> the limitations of, on the bandwidth. BT is doing something similar here in London. They're rolling out um, kiosks as well, and I think they have um, family safety protocols on them. <laughs> <laughs> I think. And that's what you need. You know, you need to be a bit sensible. I think if you're a bit sensible about it, then you can get around these issues. Yeah, you just have to have somebody capable of, um, of, of, of coding it and doing it. Well, well, yeah, but I think you need... But this is the thing. You need to take a more... Um, this isn't something that you just do. It's not slap, you know, oh, we'll leave it to, you know... It's not an amateur. It shouldn't be an amateur hour. No. This should be something that you think through and you plan. And it's part of your wider um, sort of digital... Um, program mm. and if you do that and you, you think of it as being part of that then I think these issues will come up and you'll be able to address them mm. but if it happens organically then yeah you get these sort of problems yeah right thank you all very much and I'm afraid that is all the time we have for today please do get in touch uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts your comments your um, feedback uh, check us out on YouTube uh, on Twitter or on uh, LinkedIn we're under IDC Emir uh, get involved with the discussion give us a give us a few comments let us know what you think and of course uh, don't forget to subscribe I say this every time but it's always there subscribe to the podcast you can follow us on Spotify on Apple Podcasts on SoundCloud or wherever you like to get your podcasts 
So thank you very much and see you next time.